Danielle Couch, and I am a covenant partner here. I'm also the person Becky mentioned has Kenmar details if you're curious about that. Um, but I'm currently up here because I have the honor of reading scripture this morning. This week, we continue to see the authority of King Jesus. This section of Mark reveals the rule of Jesus over desperate storms, demons, death, and disease. Jesus is the only hope for the world, and his sovereign grace invites our hearts to hope in him. Please join me in the reading of the story of Jairus and his daughter from Mark 5. Hear the word of the Lord. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Amen. Wow. Welcome, everybody, in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's so fun uh, to have people who have been traveling in town, who are leaving town, going to serve, who have come to town to celebrate. Uh, God is so faithful. Whether you're coming or going, or you're here, uh, or you've been in a town, out of town, I want to tell you something. God has a word for you this morning. This passage is pointed, and I hope that you have a heart that's receptive to what he wants to say to you. This is an amazing story that is familiar to many, but I pray is formative to all of us. This section of Mark, as Daniel mentioned, is marked with Jesus demonstrating his authority as king. You will remember he demonstrated his authority over the wind and the waves, desperate storms. Last week, King Jesus demonstrated his authority over the demoniac and the darkness of, of demons. This week, he demonstrates his authority over death. Next week, he demonstrates his authority over disease. In every instance, Jesus is displaying that he is king. And through the revelation of his authority, God is inviting us to hope in him. Now, here's the truth. You and I are good at hoping, and we're really good at hoping in the wrong places, aren't we? 
We hope in things that we can see. Sometimes that's uh, uh, bank accounts or sometimes that's our, our status. Sometimes it's medical staff or lawyers or, or something. We hope in that or we even hope in ourselves. We hope in people. But if you, you don't have to live too long to realize that 100% of the time, all of that stuff is going to let you down. God alone is worthy of our hope. And his grace invites us to fully and firmly let our hope be housed in his hands. Jesus invites you. And so before we study the word of the Lord, I'm going to ask you to pray with me to the Lord of the word and ask his Holy Spirit to touch your heart as we study. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, the revelation of who you are and what you've done. We ask now together as a group, individually and corporately, that your Holy Spirit would not just inspire us, but truly transform us. Lord, teach us to hope in you. We pray in your name. All God's people said, amen. I, uh, I'm not sure how you uh, like to enjoy the summer. A lot of people enjoy reading. A lot of people enjoy watching movies. Uh, sometimes those two things come together nicely, like uh, the Tolkien's movies, trilogy, or, or even more than that. I don't know how many movies they made about The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Any, any Tolkien fans in here? There's a lot of you guys. Uh, good stuff. Uh, you, if you've ever watched or read Lord of the Rings, the first one, um, you understand that it's difficult to hope in that movie. I mean, you or, you, or in the book. You're reading it or you're watching it, and you almost want to quit for Bilbo Baggins or for Frodo, or for Sam, for all of the leaders that gathered. It is exhausting to watch, and you just feel like going, give up, right? Like, you can't win this. And there's this powerful scene where Gandalf the wizard actually reorients hope off of what everyone sees and onto what is unseen. And it's the Council of Eldron in Rivendale when they're gathering with the, with the wisdom of the elves and all the other leaders of the dwarves and the men and all these folks. Uh, Gandalf says this. He says, despair is for those who can see the end beyond all doubt, and we do not. He is challenging the instinct that we have to find our hope or to not despair by what we see. A more contemporary version is, is challenging us not by what we see, but what we can do. And maybe you're a poet fan. I don't know if you like Maya Angelou. Uh, she is a poet, and she has had a line during COVID that has really taken off, talking about hope. Here's what Maya Angelou says. Uh, she says that fear and hope cannot occupy the same space. So you invite one to stay and one to leave. It's a choice. You have to choose. She says, I will choose hope. But I read that and I ask the question, really? Is it that simple? When we've got more questions than answers, more fear than faith, when it seems like darkness is prevailing, we're exhausted from fighting the enemy that looks like it's winning again and again, is it as easy as just flipping a switch and saying, oh, yep, I'm hoping now? You see, we're tempted to find hope in what we see, but Gandalf reminds us it's not a seeing stone or any person in here that really can see things fully. We're also tempted to find hope in ourselves. I'm just going to choose hope. I'm going to do hope. I'm going to perform till I have hope. Both of those are empty. Jesus, in this story, 
offers us the longing of our hearts and truly gives us something that is beyond what we can ask or imagine. You see, the first thing we're going to see in this passage is that true hope begins where our resources come to an end. Christians know this. If you're not a Christian, then then we invite you to discover it with us. Uh, Where we hope actually is going to determine whether or not we're going to find what we're looking for. And Jesus is this invitation to uh, house our hope in him. And true hope in him begins when our resource ends. Now, now look at this passage. Uh, Jesus had crossed the sea again, and he'd gone to the boat the other side. Geographically, you will remember that uh, he had crossed, crossed the ocean, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and the storm came. He calmed the sea with his word. He went to the uh, other side of the sea, a Gentile, non-Jewish area, and the man who was possessed by a legion of demons, he healed him. And from the Decapolis, they marveled at him, but they sent him away. They said, get out of here. We can't have you here. He got back in the boat and he went back to Capernaum. And Capernaum was where he had been teaching all the parables of the kingdom. You'll remember he was crowded, really crowded uh, in on by people. He had so much so he had to teach from a boat. You remember that from Mark chapter 4? He's back in that place. And look what it says. The great crowd gathered about him. He was beside the sea and there came. Oh, who came? Verse 22. One of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Now, I, I, I get the I mixed up in that. Sometimes I'll call him Jairus. His name's Jairus. If I call him Jairus, it's okay to laugh at me. I make mistakes, especially in word order and numbers and names sometimes. I'm okay if you chuckle at me. But it's Jairus by name. And seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, why did he fall at his feet? Because his daughter was sick. Well, Mitchell, why does that matter? Why does that, how does that teach us that our hope begins where our resource ends? Because it's not an accident that Jairus is described as a ruler of the synagogue. That is a prominent position that comes with lots of resources and lots of connections. And he was very, very religious. And I am going to guarantee you that Jairus, who had a sick daughter, called on all of his resources, all of his connections, all of the doctors he had helped, all of the best practices that they had had, all the relationships that he knew, even his own religious performance, almost seemingly like demonstrating to God, look what I've done. Look where I am. Look how holy I am. Look how religious I am. Look at what's going on. Can't you help me? His religion and his own works couldn't help. None of his connections helped. None of the uh, wealth that he would have had from that position of being a ruler of a synagogue, none of that helped. All of that was in a rearview mirror. And Jairus had to move from this place of being dependent on what he saw and dependent on what he could do to a place beyond his limitations where he was totally dependent on the Lord. And it's significant for us to note that the religious works of Jairus were not enough. He needed the healing power of relationship. Relationship with the living God who is Jesus. You see, we're all tempted to hope in our religious works. And and people ask me sometimes, they they want to diagnose their heart. Mitchell, I want to make sure that I'm really walking with Jesus and I'm not just performing and focusing on my own works. Let me ask you this question. When you struggle in life, uh, when you have more desperation and darkness than you do answers and peace in your heart, uh, do you feel like asking God, why are you doing this to me? Look at how good I've been. 
Look at all this stuff that I've done. Look how generous I've been. Why, God? That is a symptom of a heart that has hoped in your own religious works. We live in a fallen world. There is lots of brokenness and lots of burdens. Our religious works are at best dirty rags, and they cannot hold our hope, and neither can our resources. Relationship with Jesus does abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. Relationship with Jesus goes beyond the limitations that everything you have, everything you see, or everything you can do. The relationship with Jesus is how demons are cast out of the demoniac. It's the relationship with Jesus that brings life from death. Death is dead in relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with Jesus where darkness is dispelled. It's by his word of his power that empires of this world rise and fall. Jesus is king. And in relationship with him, he rules by his word. So you ask, what does relationship with Jesus look like? Well, look at what Jairus did. Uh, Jairus came, a ruler of the synagogue. He saw him. He fell at his feet and he implored him earnestly. You see, relationship with Jesus involves seeing him, seeing him for who he really is. The, The crowds will eventually come and they say, well, don't bother the teacher anymore. The teacher uh, 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 can't be bothered because the daughter already died. If you really see Jesus, you know he's more than a teacher. He's not just someone who enters into your darkness and your despair and the difficulties of life and gives you seven points where you can climb out and have your best life now. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus is the king of absolutely everything. And when we see him as he fully is, we surrender to him. We fall at his feet on our face. And if we live self-righteous lives, and this is a very difficult thing because, because we're dependent on our own works and we like to highlight how many times we've prayed or how many texts we get that have Bible verses on it or Bible studies we go to or how, how long we go to church or don't go to church or groups that we're in and we focus on our works and that hinders us. Actually, it's a hurdle to hope but it hinders us from really surrendering to Jesus. I mean, falling on your face and supplicating, imploring, and praying. Look at the way Jairus is described. He implored him earnestly. He begged him. His face was in the dust, in the dirt, and he begged him, Jesus, come heal my daughter. Jesus, come bring healing. Jesus, nothing else works. Jesus, you're king. Jesus, by your word, you can heal. Will you please come, Jesus? Jesus, will you come? I can't capture the depth of him imploring Jesus earnestly. And you know what's amazing? Jesus went. Jesus went with Jairus. And what's crazy is that Jesus was interrupted. Crowds are gathered around this guy, hindering him from going. And you know, Jairus is like, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Let's go, Jesus. My daughter's not getting any better. I need you yesterday. I need you now. And this woman touches him. And what does he do? He pushes her out of the way and he says, get out of here, you old sick woman. I'm going to heal a little girl. No, Jesus stops and he hears her story 
and he heals her. And we're going to talk about that next week, but it's this unbelievable picture. I'm a dad. Anybody that's been a parent or you're part of a family, the desperation that comes with a a child that, that is sick, you you, you want, there's urgency. And Jesus intentionally delays. This is on par with all of uh, his work in the Gospels and all the way God works in, in, throughout Scripture. He allows seasons to get more dark. He allows despair to grow greater. He allows the uncertainty and the desperation to, to cry out from our hearts so that the light of his faithfulness and the light of his promises, the light of his presence, the light of his pleasure to demonstrate his covenant Love for his people shines brighter. It's crazy to me how faithful God is. But it is this hope of Jesus going that is an anchor for our soul. And we know that when we supplicate, when we pray to Jesus, that the promises of Hebrews 6 are true, that that our hope in him is an anchor for our soul. It's firm and secure. No storm of life or situation can take that away. In fact, I'm going to say that when, you're, when you, when you are come to an end of yourself and an end of your resources, only there can true hope in him really begin. And the frustration that you have in God's timing, the frustration you have with the burdens of your heart and the brokenness of this world, that's just fertilizer for faith and fruitfulness. The next thing that we see is that true hope blossoms in that desperation. Now look down at verse 35. Uh, Jesus was speaking. We've moved beyond uh, the interruption here. And there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? The bad news gets worse. But when you really see Jesus, he's going to show you he's more than a teacher. He is a savior. He's a healer. He's exactly what your heart longs for and the hope that you're looking for. The bad news gets worse and the brokenness and the burdens become a backdrop for the blessings that God wants to give through Christ. Look at what it says. Jesus overheard them and he said to the ruler of the synagogue, and he doesn't call him Jairus there, he calls him the ruler of the synagogue, this man who had resources, he had prominence, he had uh, connections that were gone. He said, do not fear. Only believe. Literally, stop fearing. Be believing. And the Greek word there for believing is uh, pisteo, which is more than just believing. It's not just, so yeah, I believe Jesus can do it. It's this absolute trust. In the same way that you're sitting in that chair and you are trusting that that chair is going to hold it up, how much are you trusting? You're giving all of your weight to that chair. You completely trust that it's not going to drop you to the ground. So our life of believing is fully trust in the king and his commands. He invites us to hope in him, not only when bad news gets worse, but when the brokenness and burdens, they become this backdrop for blessing. And here's how we can diagnose where we are in this story. Because there's two responses in this text. The first is, if you, if you look down, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. Jesus saw all the commotion. You see that word commotion in 38? They were weeping loudly. And when he entered, he said, why are you making such a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but sleeping, verse 40. And they laughed at him. You see, when 
the brokenness and burdens of this world become the backdrop for God showing his blessing through Jesus Christ, then, the, then we can react with loud weeping. Oh, how could this happen? Out of control emotions. Oh my gosh! Now, emotions are good, but when emotions control you and you are driven and a slave to your emotions, that's bad. And that, on the one hand, is laughing loudly, uh, weeping loudly, or on the other hand, it's laughing at God. God makes a promise by the word of his power. What you see and what you can do, it's not the end of the story. Death, it's just sleeping. Death is sleeping in God's eyes. Now, our congregation, we celebrate baptizing three young children, trusting God's covenant promises for them. We celebrate three new babies that were born this past week. Yeah, three in a week in our congregation. That's a lot. Zach, how's it feeling, buddy? Yeah, it's a lot. You're like, what happened nine months ago? Oh, COVID, shelter, stay. Got it, right. But we also lament death. It was just two weeks ago we did the funeral for... Uh, Adam Sharp's mom, just two and a half weeks ago that Dale and Michelle Hendricks had a funeral for their son. This is heavy stuff. And all of us, maybe we can identify with these moments of death in our heart and our life right now, but you have areas of death that are figurative in relationships, in family, finances, work, personal shame. You have these areas, and, and you have this opportunity to, to let your emotions control you and just be out of control. Everything's awful, weeping, or laughing at God's promises. This is not the end. This is just a, this is a vehicle for me to show my glory. You can, you can hear the truth in that and believe with Mary and Martha when Lazarus, their brother, had died, and Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though you die, you'll live forever. And with all the saints throughout all time, that Jesus wants to give blessing. And we, what we see, that, that our circumstances become an invitation. And look at what happens when we choose to believe, or we allow the Spirit to work in our heart to give us faith and really be dependent on Jesus. Jesus invites some to come with him. It's Peter, James, John, Mom, and Dad. And he goes, what does he do? Jesus takes him into the house, and he goes right to the point of pain. The daughter who was sleeping, and he takes the girl by the hand. Who does this? Who sees death and reaches for it? Only the one who has conquered death and knows that death is not the end of the story. And he reaches towards the point of pain, and then by the word of his power, he says, get up, rise. It's his word that does the work. And it reminds us, it orients us, it invites us that the authority of King Jesus is our only hope. And I have to ask you as we end, what is your response to this? Because just like Peter, James, and John, the mom and dad, Jesus invites you to fully see him, to surrender, and to fully house your hope in him. He invites you to come, to come with him. He says, look at the cross where I suffered for you so that you can be healed. He says, come with me. Look at the place of death. This was a tomb where I rose so that death isn't the end of the story. 
Come with me and see where I was rejected so you could be accepted. Come with me and see where I left the treasures of heaven so you could experience the richness of my grace. Jesus says, come. And then he reaches for your hand. And the only way you can really take his hand is if you've let go of all the hope of this world, all the hope that you have in resources, all the hope that you have in medical staff or lawyers or political parties or institutions or people or in your bank accounts, all of that hope is gone so that you can grab the hand of hope that reaches for you fully trusting. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't use these things. I'm standing here as a gracious recipient that, that God uses medical staff to save lives. I'm grateful for that. But my, if my primary hope is in medical staff or medical math for that matter, then I can't endure. We have to have a higher hope and we have to let go of everything else and grab the hand of Jesus in faith. And then we believe his word. He commands resurrection realities. He commands resurrection realities. Your place of greatest devastation is the place where he wants to make life shine brightest. Now, you may be saying, this is hard to believe, Mitchell. It is. But Jesus reveals himself as the king, the one on the throne who's making all things new. Jesus is the one that's making all sad things become untrue in his grace. Jesus is the one that brings life from death. Jesus is the one who brings healing to brokenness. Jesus is the one that brings hope and despair. Jesus is the one that brings peace in storms and salvation to all who believe. Jesus is the only place where we can hope. And you say, I'm tired, Mitchell. It's hard for me to believe this. You know what I say to you? Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your circumstances and look to Jesus. Jesus keeps going. Jesus was met by Jairus. And Jairus begged him, come with me. And Jesus went. And Jesus was interrupted by a crowd. Jesus kept going. Jesus was interrupted by someone else who needed healing. He healed him and Jesus kept going. Jesus was interrupted by commotion and weeping. Loud weeping, and Jesus kept going. Jesus met laughter in the face of his promises, in the perspective of the power of his word, and Jesus kept going. Jesus went all the way to the deepest point of pain, and he reached his hand into death itself, and by his word, he gave a command, rise. And she rose, and I promise you, you might be weary, but Jesus will keep going. You might be tired, but Jesus will keep going. Your circumstances might be overwhelming, but Jesus will keep going. So friends, brothers and sisters, beloved, take your eyes off of yourself and off of your circumstances and put them on your Savior, who by his grace comes to you and offers all of himself to you, and he will keep going. Allow his shepherding care to carry you, trusting the word of his powerful promises that will redeem, restore, and even resurrect. These are true truths. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we believe, but will you help us with our unbelief? We beg you, Lord. We beg you.
to help us to house our hope in you. We thank you that you are worthy of our hope and that your love and your grace and your work demonstrate that you're going to be faithful. And so, Father, uh, we pray that you would teach us to fully see you by the power of your Spirit and to surrender to you and to really trust you with all our hearts and all our minds and all of our spirits. And Lord, I pray for uh, people in this room who join me in really needing to hope. Lord, would you please help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to see you as who you've revealed yourself to be. You are king, and your word has final authority. Give us faith to believe, we pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Would you please respond to the preaching of God's word by standing? And we're going to sing a few songs together. And Maggie, I, I'm just going to say it. I know that there's people in here that while we're singing, you just need to have a stronger sense of our shepherd's faithful love for you. And so we've got people who will be praying in the back, one over here, uh, Pam's over here, uh, and I, I can't remember, Allison's over here or, or vice versa somewhere. They want to pray for you and with you. Will you allow them to help strengthen you and support you as we seek to hope in the Lord together? Let's sing.